This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. What I love about the Gospel of John is this. John sets out to establish who Jesus is as the Messiah. And over the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about Jesus as the anointed one. We've been talking about Jesus as the light of the world, Jesus as the great I am, Jesus as the scandalous figure of grace, Jesus as the chain breaker, Jesus last week as the healing one. And today, the title of my message is Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. I believe that like sheep, Jesus wants all of us to learn how to hear his voice and to follow it in the days to come. Because we're so often immersed in a world full of noise. How many of your guys' worlds are noisy? Yep. And we're so often immersed in a culture full of distractions. We've got cell phones and notifications and emails and social media and phone calls and scam calls. You know, I'm really tired of getting scammed every day. I, I get scam calls about 10 times a day. Anybody else feel me on that? Yeah, so, so you know what I do now? I just, I answer and I just start messing with them. And I, and I act like I'm interested in their product and then I tell them, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. And they're like, what? You just wasted my time. And I'm like, kind of like you've been doing to me. So I like to turn the tables on folks when they do that. But how many of you guys know our world's just full of, of distractions and people trying to divert our attention and get our focus off of the things that God's actually called us to do? Years ago, one of the professors that I had in college said this, Jesus has given you enough time in your day to do precisely what he asked you to do. And I like that. Because sometimes I think we get discouraged when we haven't been able to do all the things that we feel like we've got to do in a day, right? We feel overwhelmed. Anybody feel overwhelmed by life? Anybody ever feel stress or anxiety? Come on, every hand should be up in this room. Every person that breathes is going to face stress and anxiety from what they face in the day. And so Jesus, knowing this, wants us to learn how to hear his voice in the midst of the noise, in the midst of the distractions that we face. Let's face it, we live in a world that's trouble-filled and dangerous, full of thieves and robbers and people that want to take from us and steal what we possess as the people of God. Jesus said it himself, in this world, you will have trouble. Isn't that encouraging? When God says you're going to have some trouble, that's not what I want to hear, you know? I want to hear like, today's going to be sunshine and rainbows. You know what I'm saying? Unicorns and leprechauns with, with pots of gold. Swimming pools and cotton candy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but no, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble, but... And then he adds a little caveat. Take heart. Be of good cheer. Be courageous. I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. So if we're going to learn how to overcome the way that Jesus overcomes, we're going to have to learn how to hear the way Jesus hears. I believe Jesus was so synced up with the Father, he was so synced up with the Spirit, that he wouldn't say anything that the Father wasn't saying. In fact, Jesus would say that. He would say, I don't say or do anything that the Father's not doing. Because he was so sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. He was so sensitive to God working in his life in this way, that he didn't move forward until he had an unction or an impression or a nudge or a clear path or direction from God. And I believe that's what he wants for our lives as well. If we're going to be courageous followers of Jesus in these days, in these times, we're going to have to learn to hear the voice of our shepherd. The reason I've entitled this message, 
Jesus is the good shepherd is because Jesus is the good shepherd. And Jesus, being fully aware of his audience at this time, has just stepped out of the temple. It's the end of the festival. He's just healed a blind man on the Sabbath. He's performed this amazing miracle. We talked about it last week. He spits into the dirt. He makes a mud pie and sticks it into the guy's eyes. The mud pie guy. How would you like that to be your story? I think Zacchaeus gets a bad rap for being a wee little man, but how about the mud pie guy, right? But Jesus does this miracle and it's offensive to the Pharisees because it's the Sabbath and you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to work a miracle or do anything that looks remotely like work on a Sabbath. And Jesus has turned that on its head and he heals this guy. He heals him of his blindness. And as a result, they're upset. The people are upset. The Pharisees are upset. The religious leaders are upset. They're like, this doesn't fit into our box. This doesn't fit into our paradigm. Who is this man? Who has given him authority to heal? Only Jesus can do what Jesus does. And I think that's partially why they're so ticked off because they don't have the ability and the authority and the power to do what Jesus alone can do. And so Jesus has made his way out of the temple and he heals this guy and the people are pretty ticked off or those that are in religious power upset for what this means and what he's about to do next is the setup. Beginning in verse one, it says this, truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus he says this, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. I want you to underline hear his voice and calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. I want you to underline follow him or swipe that in your apps. For they know his voice, verse five, and a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee for him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Verse six, and this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So at this point, Jesus begins to speak to them in a parable. He tells a story, and the story has some hidden meaning and some, some hidden elements that are only revealed to those who have ears to hear what God wants to say. So the first thing I wanna to say to us is this. Sheep will always know the voice of their shepherd. Sheep will always know the voice of their shepherd because, are you ready for it? They spend time with him. Because they spend time with him. In other words, they're not strangers to his presence. In the same way that I know my wife's voice by spending time with her, I can recognize her and, and, and hear her voice in a crowded place. She's not a stranger to me. I know her laugh. I know when she's sad. I can hear her when she's happy. I can distinguish and discern and recognize how she feels about me by her voice. And I'm thankful for that. And I know this because I spend time with her. Bless God. So how do we know the voice of God in our life? Well, it's the same way, by spending time with him. By spending time with him. Because, and number one today, God always makes his, his voice known, put it up there, always makes his voice known to those who seek him. Next slide, please. God always makes his voice known to those who seek him. Always, always. Hebrews 11:6 says this, and without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God for whoever would draw close to God must believe first that he exists and, and this is important as well, and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. 
God makes his voice known to those who seek him. For many of us, we have a hard time knowing the voice of God because we're not seeking him in his word or through prayer. And I believe that these are two ways through which God has given us the ability to seek him and to know him and to discern his voice. I get asked all the time, Pastor Jason, how do I know the voice of God? I was with some young people on Friday night leading an alpha course uh, down south in Sandy. And I had some people on our course who were, who were new to the faith. And for many of them, they were just making decisions to follow Jesus for the first time. And this whole thing was brand new to them. And they said, how do I know my voice or my inner monologue from that of God's? It's a good question. Well, you start by getting in his word and understanding his character, understanding what his voice is like. How does God speak to us? Well, he's given us a whole lot of scripture to begin to understand how he speaks to us. The second way that we do that is through prayer. It's through learning how to have a conversation with God. And, and here's a simple formula that I just wanna give you this morning. It was passed on to me years ago and I still find it effective today. Are you ready for it? Stop, wait, connect. Stop, wait, connect. When you stop, you bring yourself to a halt. You cease all activity. You stop what you're doing. In this world, it means, uh, in the world we live today, it means unplugging your phone, <laughs> unplugging from social media, getting off of Netflix, silencing Hulu, and just becoming still. Just becoming still. Psalm 46.10 says it this way, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know. So after stopping, after becoming still, then you pause, meaning you wait. At this stage, it's not about trying to be in a hurry. You're not trying to rush to get anywhere. You're not thinking about your to-dos. You're not folding laundry. You're not doing the dishes. You're just waiting. Psalm 37, seven, be still before the Lord. That's the first part. And wait patiently for him. I think this is the hardest part though for us, isn't it? If I'm being honest, this is the hardest part for me. <laughs> My wife and I were having a conversation about it this week. She's like, you're not a very patient person. I'm like, I know, I know, because I got things to do and people to see. I got stuff to accomplish, right? Anybody else feel me on that, right? This is hard, waiting patiently for, for many of you, myself included. This is where we get hung up. But if we would be willing to just linger, just to lean into that awkward silence, just to engage God and wait on him, he promises to bless us. Lamentations chapter three, verse 25 says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the soul who what? Seeks him. To those who seek him. So we stop, become still, we wait, and then after waiting, we make a connection. We connect with God. God begins to, at this stage, speak into your heart and speaking to your life because it's now open to receive what he wants to say. One of my pastors way back in the day used to say, your heart has a built-in ear in the middle of it. H-E-A-R-T. Sandwiched right in the middle of your heart is an ear. And I like that. I like that. Because when your heart is open to hear, God will speak. God will speak. Some of us are like, but why isn't God speaking to me? Well, open up your phone and look at how much time you spend on social media and ask yourself, have you spent the same amount of time in prayer? All of us, it's a big fat no, right? Some weeks it's maybe a little bit better. But ask yourself, why is that? What makes 
the world and its noise so compelling? Well, I think part of it is that we haven't trained our hearts how to be quiet before him. One of the things that we like to do on Tuesday nights when we come together in prayer is just to be still for a few moments. And we do that through worship, oftentimes when we come in on Sunday mornings, right? It's just a time for us just to still our hearts. It's like, oh God, there's just so much going on. So I just wanna become quiet before you. And I love that, I love the stillness. I love that he is a good shepherd who leads us beside the what? Still waters. I like the raging waters, that's fun. But the raging waters is noisy. A couple uh, years back, my, my friend Joe, who's here today, he and I climbed up to the waterfall at uh, Upper Bells. You guys been up there before? Oh, it's so beautiful. But it was so noisy. It was like, just the water was raging, just coming down like a flood. And it was so noisy. But there's something about becoming still before God. And I think this is something that is a little bit of an art form that's kind of been lost in our culture because it's all about this it's all about noise. In fact, most of us don't go anywhere without music on in our cars. And I love music. And I love to sing. My daughter can tell you, we're, we're always driving down the road together, just hooping and hollering and going for it. But sometimes I go, you know what? Let's, let's turn off the music and let's just be still. And I think there's so much value in that. The Lord is good to those who wait, to the soul who seeks him. When we stop, when we pause, and when we connect, we've now enabled our heart to hear what the Spirit of God wants to say through his word and to us in prayer. Amen. The second thing I want to say to us today is this. The shepherd will always call his sheep by their name. By their name. Which means, in number two today, God knows your name. Let's put it up there. God knows your name. For those of you that are taking notes, God knows your name. I want to encourage you. God knows everything about you. He knows your story. He knows the way you're wired. He knows your hurts. He knows your habits. He knows your hangups where you get hung up on stuff. He knows everything about you because he knows your name, which means it's personal. And what I love about God is that it's a personal relationship that he establishes with us through his son, Jesus Christ, poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. I love that God loves us enough to make it personal. You know, when I call my wife, I call her by her name because that's who she is. I don't objectify her. She's not a this, a they, a that, a thing. Sometimes I say woman, but it's like, whoa, man. <laughs> whoa, man. But I call her by her name because that's who she is. And that affirms her value. It affirms her worth. It affirms her identity. It personalizes the relationship between us. Conversely, when you don't know somebody's name, what do you do? Hey there, guy. <laughs> What's happening, dude? Some of you who aren't good with names, and you're like, hey there, man. Good to see you. But there's something personal about knowing someone's name. That's why at Courageous Church, we value family because we, we're trying to create a culture where everybody can know and be known, where people know your name. And, and I know for some of you, that's hard. It's like, ah, I'm not good with names. That's okay. But just start with like one person's name and then start with another person's name. So by calling people by their name, we're doing what? We're establishing that they have dignity. We're establishing that they have worth. We're honoring their value. We're not objectifying them. And we're personalizing our relationship with them. God will always call you by your real name. God will always call you by your real name. You know who won't call you by your real name? 
the enemy. The enemy will objectify you. He will ridicule you. He'll call you all sorts of names, but he won't call you by your real name. You know why? Because he's not the good shepherd. He's a liar and he's a thief and he's a robber. He hasn't entered in through the door. He's tried to climb over the wall to assault you and to take what you possess. And that's what Jesus is alluding to here in this passage. The Pharisees, who he's already referred to as children of their father, the devil, are stealing from and lying to the people. Like wolves, they're devouring them. Verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep and all who come before me are thieves and robbers and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them because I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he or she will be saved and will go in and out and find what? Pasture, pasture. Verse 10, for the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Praise God. Praise God. Jesus came then, and he still comes to us now through the power of his word and through the power of his spirit that we would have life and life more abundantly. Life to the full. Life spilling out over the brim, rushing out into every avenue and, and sphere of our life. I love that. But the thief, on the other hand, comes only to steal what you have and to destroy you. That's why God wants us to know his voice so that we can discern when the enemy comes calling. That's why God calls us by our name, so that we can trust it's really the Lord and not an imposter. You see, Jesus at this moment is surrounded by imposters. He's surrounded by fakes and phonies and liars and deceivers and those that actually wanted nothing to do with him, but that actually sought to destroy him. Wolves in sheep's clothing. Elsewhere in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 15, Jesus says this Beware of what? False prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Ravenous wolves. Jesus here in Matthew 7 and then in chapter 10 is dealing with some wolves. He's dealing with some people that have sought to destroy and steal from the people, which is why he says what he says next in verse 11, John 10, verse 11. I am, here's another I am statement from Jesus. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd does what, church? He lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and flees. He takes off. And the wolf snatches the people, snatches the sheep, and scatters them even. Isn't that interesting? I just want to say, beware those through gossip and through malice and with their mouth scatter the sheep. That's why at Courageous Church, you'll never hear me speak bad of other churches or other people because if we're all advancing the gospel together, come on, we're on the same team. And we're not called to use our words to divide and to tear down. We're called to use our words to bless and to build up, to gather and not to scatter. So beware of those who scatter. And I'm just going to leave that with you today. Jesus says it again, verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. He says it a second time because they weren't listening the first time. <laughs> Jesus is the kind of shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. 
And he does it because he's good. It's not just what he does, it's who he is. When we say God is good, we're talking about the character of our shepherd. He is good. He does good because he is good. His doing flows from his being. Because God is good, all he does is good. Some of you grew up with a distorted view of God, like he's some genie up in the sky, or like he's Zeus, you know, and if you, you anger him or tick him off, you know, he's going to bring evil and calamity and sickness into your life. That's not God. He's not the author of sickness and calamity and evil. He's good. He's good to those who seek him, as we've already seen in Lamentations. He's a good shepherd. He's not a hired hand that flees the moment things get tough. And a lot of you are facing challenging situations right now in your lives. Maybe it's a health challenge. Maybe it's a financial challenge. Can I encourage you? He's a good shepherd. Follow his voice. Let him lead you and watch what he does in your life. Jesus is the good shepherd, the shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, the shepherd who lays down his life to protect his own. And I think this reveals God's heart to us, and it's my final point, number three. God is a good shepherd who cares for his people. God is a good shepherd who cares for his own. As the church, as the people of his pasture, we would say, we belong to him, right? We've been saved and redeemed by God. We have been made his special possession. We've been adopted into his family, right? We're not just doing this thing for ourselves. No, we belong to him, which means that we can trust that he's gonna take care of us. He's gonna take good care of us, no matter what we face. And you know how Jesus demonstrated this? By marching to the cross, by laying down his own life for the sheep. Verse 16, he goes on to say, and I have other sheep that are not even of this fold, and I must bring them in also, because they will listen to my voice. So there will be what? One flock and one shepherd, one flock, and one shepherd, for this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life. He says it a third time. I lay it down that I may take it up again, speaking to the resurrection to come. Verse 18, because no one takes it from me. I lay it down on my own accord. I alone have authority to lay it down, and I alone have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. What's amazing to me, in addition to all the things that Jesus has already said to us here, is this stunning remark that he makes here at the beginning of verse 16. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I need to bring them in too, because they'll listen to my voice. Now, obviously, what is Jesus alluding to here? He's alluding to us Gentiles, those of us who are not Jewish, those of us who existed outside of the Jews, and Jesus is speaking primarily to a Jewish audience here. He's obviously referring to those outside of Israel because Jesus is not just the savior of the Jews. He's the savior of the world, of the whole world, Jews and Gentiles alike. You guys, this is good news. This is good news from a good shepherd because it means that anyone, anywhere, at any place or any time can respond to the gospel and be brought into his fold. This has always been his vision for the world. John 3, 16, you guys all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The world has always been the vision of God. Jesus gave his life so that we could be brought into his family. Maybe you're here today, you're 
you're watching or listening to this online or you're in some other place or nation, I want to encourage you today in your faith. God has a place for you in his family, a place for you in his fold. And I believe that right now, even in these moments, he's extending grace and mercy and love towards you right now. So my question for you is this, will you listen and heed his voice? Will you become still before him and quiet and wait on him? Will you heed the voice of God or will you turn a deaf ear to it? Like many who can't see Jesus because they're spiritually blind, there are many in our world who can't hear Jesus because they're spiritually deaf. And I believe that God wants us to hear his voice, which means that doesn't have to be your story today. You don't have to turn a deaf ear to the voice of God. I believe God is always trying to get our attention, church. He's eager to have a conversation with you. He's eager to talk to you. He's eager to encourage you. He's eager to refresh your heart in prayer and through his word. Will we listen to the voice of God? Will we listen to the voice of our good shepherd who cares for us? As the good shepherd, Jesus has demonstrated this by laying down his life for each and every one of us. Because he loves you guys. He gave his life. And that's why we're here today because of what Jesus has done for us, amen? Because of what he did on that cross for us. The scriptures tell us that while we were yet spiritually enslaved to sin, he died for us. He willingly went to the cross, meaning he made that choice. No one could take his life from him. No one could force him to do what he did. He willingly laid down his life on his own accord to bring us into his fold. And because he loves us. The scriptures also tell us in Isaiah 53, verse 6, that all of us, like sheep, have gone our own way. But the Lord has laid on him, meaning Jesus, the iniquity of us all. So the good shepherd didn't just lay down his life for us. He also bore our iniquity and our sin and our transgressions and our sickness and as well. He shared in our sufferings that we might be set free and forgiven and healed and delivered from death and a life lived separate from God. And that's good news today. And that's what we celebrate as believers and as followers of Jesus. We celebrate each and every day the good and perfect life of our Savior, not just in what he did then, but what he's doing now in and through us through the power of his Holy Spirit. Because, once again, he's a good shepherd who cares for you. And he's not going to lead you into treachery. He's not going to lead you into doubt. He's not going to lead you into temptation. He's not the tempter. He's not the evil one. He's a good, good father who loves you, who cares for you, who wants to lead you beside the still waters and cause you to lay down in green pastures, who wants to refresh and restore you and bless you and show you his goodness and his power in your life, who wants to demonstrate that each and every day if you'd be willing, if you'd receive him, if you'd surrender to him. I wonder if that might be your story today. I wonder if the Lord might be speaking to some of you right now, even those of you watching online. I wonder if he might be speaking to your heart at this moment, calling you home, home from the running, home from the cold, home from the searching and wrestling and striving, home from the ravenous wolves and thieves and robbers who have been taking from you and stealing your joy and taking your life from you, home to a place that's safe and set free from all of that, a place full of hope and healing and courage and life more abundantly, a place in his fold. 
If that's your heart and your desire today, I want to pray for you. Can we pray together, church? Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that you are a good shepherd who loves us, who cares for us, who leads us beside the still waters and causes us to lay down in green pastures. Lord, that's a picture of peace. Yes, even in the midst of the storm, Lord, you're our shalom, you're our peace, the peace that surpasses understanding, that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, because you're a good shepherd, and all you do is good. But Lord, for the person in this room today who's not convinced that you're good, would you show them your goodness? Your word says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Would you taste and see today that he's good? For that person listening online who's been striving and wrestling with life and just frustrated and just feeling hopeless, I want to tell you there's hope in his family. There's hope in a relationship with Jesus. And maybe you don't know Jesus. And maybe today is the day where you want to begin to put your faith in Jesus. Putting your faith in Jesus doesn't mean you've got all the answers. Far from it, you'll have more questions than you ever had. But it does mean that you begin to look to him for your salvation. It does mean that you begin to trust him with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding and ways. The Bible says that when you do that, he will direct your path. He will lead you and guide you because he's a good shepherd. So Father, for anybody in this place today or listening to this or watching this that doesn't know you, I wanna give them the opportunity right now to begin to step into a relationship with you. Lord, you're calling them by name. You're speaking to that person. You're saying Bill and Bob and James and Rebecca and Anthony. You're saying Jason. You're saying Candace. You're speaking our names because you love us, God. You love us today. So Father, I thank you that in these moments, Lord, you would pour out your spirit. You'd speak to us as a good shepherd. For those that don't know you, I just wanna lead you in a prayer right now. For those that are ready to put their faith in Jesus, it's a prayer that we always pray, and it goes like this. Jesus, Savior, Save me. Save me from the mess that I've made. Come be my good shepherd. I want to know your voice. I want to know your heart. I want to know what you have in store for me. I want to trust you with that. And I, I look to you now in these moments. I repent of my sin. I turn my back on it. I believe and confess that you are the Son of God, the Messiah, the saving one. I believe that you went to that cross for me because you love me, because you still love me today. So God, I pray in these moments, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit upon these people. For those that are professing you for the first time, these are holy moments, sacred moments. Speak to us, Lord. For those, Lord God, that have made that decision today, we just wanna say welcome. Welcome to the party. Welcome to the family. Welcome home to hope, to healing, to courage, to life and life more abundantly. The Lord will never take from you. He'll never steal from you. He'll never rob you and he'll never lie you. He'll always speak truth to you because he loves you and he's a good shepherd today. So Father, we give you praise for that. We give you all the glory. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together. That's good. The Lord is good. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.